everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gluck, and today it's a social spotlight edition of the podcast with Parker Kligerman, who I wanted to interview because I knew he would win the Talladega truck race, and I wanted to have him. Just kidding. No, I had no idea. Obviously, uh, I was interviewing Parker because um, he's doing a great job with NBC Sports. He also does drive part-time, as you saw when he won the Talladega truck race last week. I had no idea that was coming, obviously. Um, So this turned out to be quite good timing. But Parker, in general, just has um, some good thoughts on social media. I I feel like he's coming from an interesting position where he's definitely a young guy, definitely a millennial, but also uh, a little bit of an old soul and a very mature guy. So um, I like to, I've always enjoyed talking to him about social media and things like that. And so I've been wanting to sit down with him for a while now, and I'm glad we got to do that. So it was the day before the Talladega truck race where I walked into the very old uh, Henderson Motorsports hauler and sat down with Parker to talk about social media. All right, everybody, I'm here with Parker Kligerman, and we are hanging out in your hauler at Talladega Super Speedway. It's a pretty, pretty nice place here. Parker, how are you? Good, and just that stain over there that's growing, we call that the stain, so in the ceiling. Um, if people could see this hauler, as I say, it's pretty incredible. We're the team that that uh, finished one spot behind Kyle Busch at Kentucky racing him, but uh, here's the thing. We spend our money on the race truck, and we got a fast race truck this weekend, so I, I, this doesn't say much about our team, this, this hauler, other than we're just kind of hilarious being in here. That's cool. Well, I think maybe the stain needs its own Twitter account. You can join the parody accounts of. Oh, of no, no more parody accounts. I can't. No, no. <laughs> You've reached your limit on NASCAR parody accounts. By far, I I think the parody account thing was cool. What five years ago, and it's kind of run its course. Sorry, Orange Cone, but you know maybe everyone knows who you are. So just put your name on there. <laughs> so you know, obviously, one thing you do is you try to stay up on the cutting edge. You know that the parody accounts are out of style. Something that's in style more and more is like YouTube and being a YouTuber and things like that. So uh, one thing you just, I saw you just launched this week, I think you tweeted about it. Is this like thing, this channel called Parker's Parking Lot or Parking Garage? Parking Lot. Well, that's good that you can get the, so that's, see, that's where I go, I do great is branding because obviously that rolled right off the tongue. So my sister always makes fun of me because I like, whenever I come up with a new idea or like, I'm going to brand it this. It'll be like seven words, and she's like, no one is going to say that. Like, it needs to be catchers. So I've never been good at that. But, yeah, YouTube uh, – my girlfriend's always been in YouTube, and uh, she had, like, her vlogging channel and still does and, and does it. But that's not my thing. Like, I kind of find – no offense to the that type of thing, but I kind of find that repulsive. It's kind of like a – and it's like a reality show just filmed yourself. So she does a great job of them. I love watching hers. But it's not like I would ever go on the internet to watch someone else's vlog – Repulsive is a strong word. Yeah, I mean, well, I just don't like like reality TV, so I just find it like the lowest common denominator form of anything on the planet. Um, at times, I'd rather probably like drill my left toe out than watch reality TV. But and vlogging, I mean, it's cool, but then it's like it's always the dubstep music and this thing and cool. I, I don't know. It's just it's not my thing, but I do love like car stuff and I like cool car stuff. So. Uh, I always see it, and I've been trying forever to get into more and more car stuff, and I've done a lot of work with Jalopnik, which is an automotive 
website and they just launched a TV show and I've been trying to like do more and more of that stuff and break in that world and finally I just got said you know what not many people are giving me the opportunity so I got time and I got uh, kind of a, an ability to to do this financially and so I was like let's just go do it and see what happens and have some fun and it's terrible I mean it's it's I say it's like aggressively average or massively underwhelming and that's basically how I've done everything in my life is I always say like incredibly ambitious but aggressively average and uh, this YouTube channel is no different so it's my parking lot because I thought no everyone always talks about like garages and that sort of thing but no one gives love to parking lots so I, I had to give love to the parking lot so Parker's parking lot, which is an aggressively average uh, YouTube channel, massively <laughs> underwhelming. Uh, the, the video that I saw um, is you're talking about your your Porsche um, and and why it's like different than other ones and it's cheaper and it's has it's quirky and things like that. So um, that's your car. So what else is in your parking lot that you're going to be able to talk about to keep this YouTube channel going beyond just one video? Oh, oh you want to know? Oh, we got all sorts of things. We got my uh, girlfriend's 2009 Jetta. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so we're going to go into – I got some of my friends that have high-end, nice sports cars uh, that have agreed to let me do some things with their cars, which is cool. So is you kind of – so like car YouTube is kind of funny because it's essentially like a startup, friends and family. That's how you get your funding, but that's how you get your cars, right? So it's like your cars, your friends, your family. And then eventually, if you build enough following, you eventually get press cars. So, like, I've done a little bit of press car stuff with Jalopnik and uh, seen how that all works. And it's pretty cool. But you got to get to a, a solid following to, like, be able to do that sort of car reviewing and that sort of stuff. And our, my my hope with it, although, as I say, is it's never going to reach this because I'm not really good at anything. But um, is that it would be a different form of car reviewing and, and car understanding that you've never seen from like a race car driver um and i think it's it's there's like a small void small niche maybe that i've noticed and uh we're gonna that involves you know someone that can drive but also understand like the greater understanding of what's actually happening in the world so how do you even go about building a youtube channel that seems very difficult to me i see um video numbers sometimes and i'm like how do people even you know, like unless something goes viral or takes off somehow, like how do you build the subscriber thing? I, you know, you have the people always on their videos going subscribe here or whatever at the end. But does that work? Like, what's your plan? Well, if you go to my bio on the on the YouTube, it says don't call me a YouTuber. I have a job. So I think it gives you an idea of my understanding of YouTube. Uh, I have no idea. If you figure out, I'd love to know. Um, uh, I don't know. So I, I, my thing is I think you just need to have content, right? With anything, content's king. So, like, if you're going to be – if you want to – you know, in TV, content is king. That's why TV channels exist and why NASCAR is on TV because they need content, right? So uh, you just got to create great content and continually push it and hope that, you know, you're making something that's unique enough to interest people. And then from there to interest them for f two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, you know, the – you know the basis is that at the end of the day you just got to create something hopefully people like and or on the flip side you just do it for fun and if no one likes it then screw them so you know i mean it's for you so i think right now we're very much in the for me stage uh we're not getting those crazy views but uh we'll see where it goes and and maybe as i said if we can get as we get rolling and get to do some of the more of the concepts i want to do then uh we'll take a little bit more of people understand what we're trying to do then we'll see if people like it or not and we're just gonna keep doing it so have fun
So, you know, in the, in the modern day uh, era, like you said, you know, you would love for somebody, you're already on TV, you'd love for somebody to maybe give you an opportunity to do like a car show or something, but if that's not happening immediately, you have the ability to go out and do your own thing. We're sort of living in an amazing time that way. So it is and it isn't. So I've kind of lamented that a little bit. It's funny you bring it up because having been someone who's like, as you said, all right, in the TV world, understands the value of production and the value of doing things right and the value of having incredible, talented people that behind the camera, that run the cameras, that write the script, you know, that do everything that you don't see. I get a little bit. Uh, I'm a little bit torn when I, you know, when I create these videos and it's just me and a friend and through the amazing cameras and stuff we have out there, it gets to a level where people find it acceptable, right? Which, okay, that's fine that the, the, you know, the appetite is there for it, but it, I don't think it replaces the ultimate end goal of what a role, a real TV production is, if that makes sense. And what's funny is you see these big YouTubers or big Instagrammers or, you know, hashtag influencers, uh, quotation marks. And which I, I don't like, I don't agree with that stuff at all. But anyway, they eventually go to where they have a TV show and it's this huge thing. And it's like, well, wait a second. So you have 10 million subscribers. And I thought that's the end all be all, but it's not, you know, because they don't ever no one on youtube is tuning in for the production value of what an actual tv show is right and although it might not be coming through your cable subscription it might be through a streaming service that's considered a tv show that takes real production real effort real writing all those things it's not just walking out of your bed with a camera and being like hey world you can do it too anyone can be famous woo hashtag you know everyone's great <laughs> So we know that you don't like parody accounts. Um, we know that you don't like vloggers, and we know that you. Don't. <laughs> my girlfriend's vlogging, <laughs> and oh, we know Brendan Poole. He does a little vlogging. He's cool too. Okay, so Brendan Poole's cool, and your girlfriend's cool. But other than that, you don't like vloggers, and you also don't like influencers, basically. So <laughs> the internet. <laughs> so what about social media? <laughs> do you enjoy and and do you find valuable these days? Um, as, as we were here in 2017. So I was trying to think about that because I knew going into this interview this was the, the path it was going to take because I have some very like dark views on social media at times. Uh, all right, so you got Twitter, which is basically for the media, for you and I to go and talk to other media members about how bad the world is at times and all the crazy stuff happening, and then some NASCAR drivers to reach out to other people. But that's basically all you have on Twitter, right? So you don't view Twitter as like a mass thing for the fans. It's more of just influencer or sorry not influencers because you don't like that term but basically influencers talking to other influencers well twitter is for people that are actually famous to be interact with their fans so what i mean by that is like you see a youtuber who has a bajillion million followers on youtube but they have like zero followers on twitter yeah. and no one interacts with them right so i think i have a theory that there's actual famous people in the world they don't hurt junior actually famous he creates an instagram he creates a youtube it's gonna have millions of followers instantly He's actually famous. Mr. YouTuber starts a TV show, no chances, you know, no guarantee it's going to survive because he might only have his niche view viewers on YouTube, right? That group that likes YouTube. So I think that's what's interesting there. Um, sorry, back to tw so Twitter. Yeah, you got the actual famous people and the media, and we all interact, and it's a great place. I love it. It's the modern day newspaper and respect that you know you get your news that way. Instagram basically Playboy on the internet. So think about it. All any guy looks has on their following list is naked girls, travel places, 
cars and race cars, and then occasionally like food, right? So, I mean, everything that was in Playboy magazine for the last 50 years is on Instagram. So that's all that is. And then you have YouTube, which is like your, I guess, video replacement sort of feeling of like uh, people that want to put their life out there in a different way, you know, reality show, vlogging sort of thing. So I think, you know, you have your like niche markets for each of them. But what I found interesting was the last one that you have to mention is Snapchat, right? And when you did this interview with Jennifer's daughter and she talked about how her friends had like fake Instagrams and that sort of thing. They didn't have Facebook. I've always had this theory that for 20 years from now, it's going to be more about disconnecting than connecting. So Facebooks will be gone other than just to be able to watch their content because they'll become like a TV channel eventually. Uh, you know, Twitters will most likely just be interactions for them. But like things that keep you hidden and allow you to observe the world and like watch a YouTube channel but not have an account – that sort of stuff's going to be more successful. I don't know. It's my thought. So essentially, we're all putting ourselves out there now. We're just co- sort of like dumbly exposing our entire lives. But as you mentioned, like Sydney Fryer is talking about how she's trying to not put herself out there. And her, yeah. she and her friends are deleting things that they put out there and having fake things so people can't track them. It's almost like this next generation coming along has seen what the first generation has done and been like, no, hundred percent. I think I think it's really all right. How creepy is it when you go on the internet and you've been looking at something on your phone, and then you go on your computer, and the first ad is all the things you've been looking at, or the things you were a competitor to what you were looking at, right? Yeah. Like that's gotten so creepy that you have Google, who basically announced recently that they're going to allow you to tell them when things are too creepy. So I think that as a whole now that's not connected to just having a facebook but all that data they're collecting all those things i really think that in years to come it will become cooler to be less to google yourself and see nothing than to google yourself as when i was growing up in high school like when people people called me dot com because i had a i had a parkland.com because i was a race driver and if you googled my name it was tons of results right that was cool fast forward now it's probably not cool yeah, that's true. It's going to be like, yo, what's up, bro? How many search results do you have about you? Dude, you can't find me at all, man. <laughs> yeah, completely dark. Dark yeah. on the internet. Sweet. <laughs> so, okay, so let's say that's... that's. This, wait, before we go any further, is this the most opposite to my coworker Rutledge Woods interview possible? I love... When I, lo- I read the whole thing because that is so rut and, like, I love him to death. He's the funniest dude. But, like, we couldn't be more polar opposites. Like, I can't... I love that he does it and his that's him and like the thing about him is it's so genuine how he's about like hugging people and just spreading love in the world and that sort of thing and he's completely genuine about it but I do make fun of constantly like as I was saying earlier with the YouTube guys or Instagram and it's like hey you too can follow your dreams go get it like every morning Wednesday positivity and I'm just like oh my gosh I want to literally drill a hole in my left toe like again so I, I don't know anyway I feel terrible for your left toe. Your left toe seems to be the one getting... Well, it's because it's the braking foot. So, you know, as a race car driver, I need the right one to work oh, okay. better. Yeah. So let's say that all this is this happening with the next generation. And already NASCAR, uh, you know, and even media are struggling to find an audience and a foothold in the generation that's coming up. Like, what the hell do we do? Like, what, as, a, as a writer, what do I do? As a, as a TV person, what do you do? Or as a race car driver, still, you're still trying to do that. I don't want to discount that. Sorry. Um, yeah, but, like, what? Most people do. Not much of one, am I? 
<laughs> what so what does NASCAR do? What does this industry do to, to latch on to um, a, a, ch- a very, very changing dynamic in social media? It's been the same thought for me forever uh, since I heard this incredible quote from a champion uh, Cup Series driver talking to another race car driver that wanted to come try NASCAR, and he said, stay in your niche. And I think racing, motorsports, um, cars, YouTubing, everything, it's going to just continually find its niche, right? And as there's more and more options. So you're going to have – just think about the streaming entertainment cable game, right? So you have traditional cable with traditional players like NBCSN, NBC, and they put out amazing, great content. That's what we do, and we bring the sports to you. But you have people like Twitter and Amazon and Netflix and eventually Facebook. They're all going to want to enter the streaming game because they believe video is the way forward, right? Someone's going to win that game, and it might as well be them. The thing is, not everyone's going to win. And secondly, it's just going to continually fracture the market, right? So there's going to be a less less there's more options more and more options and therefore going to be less eyes on each and every product because people are going to have more choice than ever so i think as the entertainment world as a whole you're just going to continually have to become to understand you're going to have to continue understand your niche and you're going to have to become more uh understanding of a lower number so like i, I wrote a thing a couple of months ago was about here, I wanted you to rest your arm because I feel bad that you're holding this whole time. Uh, <clears throat> it was about uh, Seinfeld and how, in I think it was 2004, Friends had the highest rated broadcast scripted TV show. It was like 66 million people watched the finale in 2004. Fast forward, the most watched show on TV right now gets like 15 million or 18 million, and that's uh, Big Bang Theory. This is scripted shows, not counting sports. And obviously, NFL is the most watched show on TV. But nonetheless, the point was that only in the span of, what, 12 or 13 years, you've lost basically essentially 40 million people watching that thing because there's that much more options, right? And that's the deal is that it's just going to continue to fracture and continue to find new normals of what is acceptable and what is considered big. You know, in 10 years, the biggest thing on TV, streaming, everything might only get 10 million people watching, which 20 years ago would have been unacceptable. And now it might be the biggest thing there is. I think it's going to happen. That's interesting. It's a so, thought process, right? Well, no, that's interesting because it's sort of it's the the general philosophy, whether it's social media or any kind of entertainment, is okay. Let's stop chasing uh, an audience. Make the audience that you have the best it can be. You can sort of build from there because you sort of have to live with the fact that it's not going to be no no matter how popular it is it's never going to be that friends finale or whatever it, uh, whether you know that version of it on social media or whatever you're never you know the millions of twitter followers even tw- as twitter's gotten less popular it's it's harder to build up a twitter following so you have to sort of be content in some ways with what you have and maybe brands and everybody whether it's a reporter whoever needs to refocus on how they present their content that way yeah, I mean, I look. You're doing the new Patreon thing, and you know, I mean, you're you're on the cutting edge and all that. I I don't think any obviously none of us no no one has the answer. Otherwise, we'd do it. Uh, I, I saw a new form of journalism thing. Sorry, uh, I just hit your wire there. Uh, new form of like idea of journalism with this uh, a buddy of mine showed. It's called Purple, and where you could kind of like Patreon, but you would be like, I'm an expert in journalism. And people could pay $8 a month 
to have you on tap through cell phone, through writing, through everything to ask questions, get, you know, all this stuff and then for therefore become more educated in journalism, right? Or cell phones or cars, whatever it is, car buying advice, that sort of thing. So I saw that was an interesting thing and it was for basically, you know, writers and journalists that are so involved in their field that they're experts in it, right? Um, so I, I think, you know, there's all sorts of different things, but then that goes back to like, then you would have a niche, right? Like if you are, you have a niche, you're in the Patreon deal for NASCAR journalism and that's your niche and that's how you're funding this deal is that you have a group that really identifies with your content, identifies what you're doing and is therefore willing to fund it. And that's what it comes down to, is people willing to fund it or not. You know, is it going to be advertising? Is it going to be people paying for it? That's the two models there is. So as long as advertisers can find value in what you're doing, you probably have a future. If they don't, you end up like Parker Kligerman. So let's let's uh, let's close on this because uh, you've talked We're closing about closing already. It's so much more to say. No, I'm kidding. We can go farther, but I just didn't want to abuse your your 20 minutes that you have here. But um, you know, you, you've talked about drilling through your left toe and and the things that irritate you. So with all that said, and and this view of social media, what? Why are you still on it? What? Why do you continue to be on it? What value do you personally see in it for yourself? Well, I think you have to be if you want to be. All right, so two, a couple fold. One, you have traditional advertising sponsorship, race team stuff that you just got to have a following these days. It's it's your one, it's your one ability to rank your social, not importance, but you know value to them and and your advertising value i mean it really is it's it's you have a number there's that that show black mirror which takes like a really draconian view on all futuristic things they did one on like instagram which then you you're valuing and rating people constantly but that's what social media is for people that are trying to prove like hey i have a following right uh and then I do enjoy certain. I enjoy a lot of aspects of it. You know, I think um, I love Twitter. I'm on it 24/7. I love great journalism, like you produce, and great writing. And I do love to write. I'm good at the older things, maybe like, sadly. Uh, but then, like YouTube, this kind of came about, and I've never had more fun in my life than filming these videos and editing them and, and doing that sort of thing. So, I think there's definitely great positive things. It's amazing, as you said that even when you hit a roadblock in life, if you're trying to do something, it allows you an avenue to pursue that in a way that didn't exist 20 years ago. But there's obviously the dark side to it too. So I, uh, I don't know what it is I enjoy actually when I think about this now more further. Like what, what is like one thing I could point out? I don't even know. I, I enjoy comedy. I think I enjoy really well thought out comedic stuff and um, – if you if you're creating that, then I'm definitely gonna like respect it in a lot of ways and be like, you know, like I can't do that. Like I I know it for a fact. So when I see that sort of thing, I'm like, damn, that's cool. Like, well done. But you did have your friend dress as a hot dog in your YouTube video. No one no one knows who the hot dog is. That's the point. Who knows if he's my friend? Oh, I I just assumed he was. Oh no no. See, assume makes a what out of you and me? See, <laughs> I assumed. That in order to get somebody to dress up as a hot dog and prance around in your YouTube video to co-star with you, that he would have to be a pretty close friend. But no. No. Maybe, who knows? Who knows who he is? He's just a hot dog. And I mean, hey, look, he has an interest in cars, the hot dog. That's become apparent. Um, I'm not exactly sure how he and I met um, or where, but we have. And he uh, – I don't even know where he lives, to be honest. I don't even know what he does when we're not filming. He just sort of pops up when I'm filming and then – 
finds a way to be in the video and then just disappears. So if anyone knows where he is, his number, anything, I would like to get that in the future. So basically the hot dog is like the stig of your YouTube videos somewhat? I don't think he knows what the stig is. Oh, wow. That's yeah, I I don't know what anything about him. He doesn't speak. Okay. I don't know if he, he doesn't even speak. He has wow. no use of words. None whatsoever. Well, I'm fascinated to see how this aggressively average YouTube channel evolves along with the hot dog. Thank you, Parker, for joining us and sharing your um, dark thoughts on social media future. I know. I hate that this. this went so dark. Was it, was, it, was it too dark? Was it? One good thing that we have going on is actually on my truck this weekend at Taldega, we have uh, a sticker for Peggy Miller, who uh, had breast cancer for 23 years. And she's actually my crew chief's mother-in-law. She just recently passed away. But she since getting breast cancer started a basically self or help group uh in the abedentine virginia area in bristol virginia area and it rose to have like a hundred people that were attending at times um and so I, it's a really cool thing because you know we do a lot for survivors of cancer and people that are helping at time but not a lot for the unsung heroes that are trying to help others cope with cancer and so we have that all over our truck this week and uh that's a positive thing so that's another rutledge wood positive Positive story is, uh, you know, we're bringing light to that, and uh, we hope to get her in victory lane because that would be a really cool story. I don't think it was that dark. Okay, but I was being perfect. more facetious with most of my things. I think I think you should – Rutledge Wood would say, chase your dreams. You can do it too. Hug the next person next to you. Love, peace, send love, right? Hashtag love. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Parker. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. So there you have it. I enjoyed going back and forth with Parker about all that and um, hope you enjoyed the listen. So um, right now I'm speaking to you from my hotel room here in Austin, Texas. Very excited about that. I'm here to cover the Formula One race this weekend. Um, those of you who are patrons had a chance to vote on where I should go this weekend. Um, came down, obviously, to Austin or Kansas, the elimination race. And 76% voted to send me to Austin. So I'm going to be here and following Haas F1 team throughout the weekend to see how the only American team does in their visit to the only F1 race in America. But before we go, I do have some patron shout outs that I wanted to give. And these are people who have signed up on my Patreon page and they've either upped their pledge recently or they have become new patrons and I really appreciate all of them. They are Chad Sterling, Randy Keel, Rob Erickson, Kate Ertman, who is one of my new NASCAR friends from Portland. Yes, there are NASCAR people in Portland. And Richard Allen, who um, he used to be racing with Rich and tweet a lot of um, radio chatter during the races. He's more focused on dirt racing now. So now he's at Richard Allen IDR, which is Inside Dirt Racing. Um, so if you're into dirt racing at all, definitely follow Richard Allen. Anyway, I'm off to Coda today, and I will start the F1 weekend with their media day. I'm not exactly sure what the podcasting regulations are. I've heard that you're not allowed to podcast from the track there. So I may have to figure something else out for the post-race podcast, and it may not even come out Sunday night. It may be a little bit tricky this week, but I'll hopefully figure something out so we can get somewhat of a Kansas recap and an F1 recap to talk about the weekend. So thanks as always for listening. And until then, I'll talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.